all, I want to get into what the Sabbath is. Just a quick overview. There's going to be a lot of scripture today, a lot of stuff, a lot of information. I'll try not to make it dry. I find this tremendously interesting. I think you will find it interesting as well. So Exodus chapter 20, verse 1, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which has brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But in the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservants, nor thy maidservants, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Father, I just ask that you'll help me today to give something that'll help your people to understand the subject better. And Lord, just open my understanding and open my mouth to be an oracle for you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a growing movement. Um, it kind of faded out in a sense uh, a couple of decades ago. There was always been those Sabbath keepers. But over the last, why do I have so much feedback? Do we know why we have so much feedback? Um, over the last probably decade, the monitors are off. The mics are off. I think all the mics are off. Yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> it, it, it's very uh, bad feedback for whatever the reason. Why don't I, yeah, why don't I? Green, green, Becky, Becky's green, gotcha. All right, is that better? So over the last 10 years or so, it's kind of made a resurgence. In fact, I have some really good friends who are, um, who are Sabbath keepers, and they weren't a couple of years ago, and now they are. And, uh, and it's ga actually gaining a lot of traction. And so let me say this about this right off the bat. I've said it many times that most church denominations or sects have their pet doctrine. Um, most of them all do. Baptists preach 90% of the time about uh, once saved, always saved, or unconditional eternal security. That seems to may be their main doctrine. They love to preach it all the time. Pentecostals, they preach the gifts of the Holy Spirit and, and speaking in tongues and, and such like that. Uh, the Presbyterians, they preach about uh, predestination. That's their main thing. And Adventists or Sabbath keepers, of course, that's their main doctrine. They like to preach on that. I don't have a problem with that as long as it's a true doctrine. They want to, you know, it's, I may not agree with it, but I don't have a big problem. My problem is that oftentimes these groups that grab these particular doctrines and it becomes their pet doctrine start to do it at the exclusion of everybody else. If you don't believe the way I do, you're going to hell. That's where I have a problem. I don't care if you worship on Tuesday afternoon at 4 o'clock. I don't really care. But if I don't worship on their day, I'm going to hell. I have a problem with that. That's where my, uh, my division with them or my, my beef with them. I, as long as they can accept that I don't agree with them, we're good. And so that is often the case with this. So the movement is growing. It's gaining prominence, and this is my problem with it. 
and I won't read this one right. You can look at that. Basically what's happening here is the Galatian church or the Galatian Christians were, had embraced Christianity. They had come out of the law. They had accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. They were delivered from all that thing, all that stuff, all the, the laws and, and demands of the law, and now they were starting to go back into it. They were starting to turn away from the freedom that's in Christ and go back into the law. Paul says, you guys are stupid. Not this particular translation, but some of the translations actually say, Paul calls them stupid. You're, you're stupid. Don't go back into that stuff. That's what's happening. They've had freedom in Christ, and they're going back into and wanting to embrace the Old Testament law. Is the law valid? Of course it is. The law is always valid, but we are not under the law. The law, in a sense, is obsolete. Why? Because Jesus fulfilled that law. We serve Christ. We serve the Father through Christ because he is the fulfillment of that law. We don't go back into that law. And so the origin of the biblical rest, Genesis 2-1, And the heavens of the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created uh, and made. So this is the origin of the idea of God's rest. The, the Sabbath is not instituted right here. The concept of the rest of God, that, that rest that comes in God, is. And, and so God did not get tired. That's a misconception. You know, that it says that he rested, and so people think, oh, God got tired after six days of, of creating things, so he had to take a break. God didn't have to take a break. <laughs> he didn't have to, to rest. And Isaiah 40, 28 says, Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is he weary. God did not get tired after creating the, the universe. He was showing completion. There was a theological lesson being done here where God finished his work and in a sense uh, was glorified in it or rested in it and said, this is what I've got done. This is what I've accomplished. Look at what I've done. It is, a it is something for us to learn from. From the time of creation, rest has always been ass under assault due to sin. God gives rest. Sin takes rest. Okay, is that not right? Can you think of a sin that doesn't take your rest away from you, take peace away from you? That's what sin does. And, and no matter where you go, God created man in rest. When God created Adam and Eve in the garden, they were at rest. They could do whatever they want. They were at peace. They were having a great time. God said, one thing you're not allowed to do. And just like people do, they said, well, I want to do that one thing. Your kids do the same thing. You can do anything you want, kids. Have a great time. Just don't eat any cookies in that cookie jar. Where do you think they're going? Right to that cookie jar. That's what they do. God created man in rest. Rest was taken by sin. Sin took rest away from people. We were talking about first responders earlier. And any first responder, we've seen it a thousand times, these people that are on drugs, these people that are uh, overdosing on alcohol or whatever, they're... What is gone? Peace. They're in turmoil. They're, they're thrashing. They're angry. They're, they're crazy. They're wild. It takes peace from them. That's what sin does. It always takes your peace. 
right in, clear back to the fruit of the in the Garden of Eden. That's where Adam and Eve lost their their rest or their peace that was in God. Man will will toil the ground. Man didn't have to toil the ground until sin. Then all of a sudden he had to toil the ground. Woman will travail in childbirth. You gals did not have to go through any pain if it wasn't for Eve, and I don't blame you if you rougher up when you get to heaven. Cain kills Abel. Cain must then toil. All the land wanted to kill him. They were they were angry. He had to run. God put a mark on his head to, to warn people not to kill him. Then Mo. Noah was born with a great hope. The hope was in this idea that he would comfort us in the labor and the uh, painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. But humanity found no rest because the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. People were not living the rest that comes in God. The only rest humanity seemed to be able to achieve was in death. Ultimately, we find Israel in the worst bondage of their history. They were in Egypt. And historical uh, writings tell us that 16 to 18 hours a day stomping out bricks and mortar. 16 to 18 hours every day, seven days a week. It never stopped. They never had any rest. They worked until they fell dead. Then they moved their bodies and they kept working. What a way to live. And they did this for hundreds of years to, to do the, the work that they were uh, made to do. Up until that time, there was no Sabbath day. People don't realize the Sabbath was not instituted in Genesis. There was no Sabbath day until the law was given. Exodus, and so they set ta taskmasters over them to oppress them with hard labor. And the sons of Israel built uh, Fithom and Ramses and as storage cities for Pharaoh. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more they multiplied and expanded, so that the Egyptians dreaded and were exasperated by the Israelites. And the Egyptians made the Israelites serve rigorously, forcing them to into severe slavery. They made their lives bitter with hard labor and mortar, brick, and all kinds of field work. All their labor was harsh and severe. They lived that way day in and day out. That's where, that's where God came through with a rest. That's why rest was initiated. Ex Exodus 6 and 6 and 7 says, Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God. And ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Can you imagine that news coming on them? Most of these people, well, probably, uh, actually all of them, had never known a time they weren't under slavery. Never had they known a time of freedom or rest. So God instituted rest. The Sabbath was made for man. Man was not made for the Sabbath. Probably get into that in a little bit. Exodus 20 and ver uh, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath, the seventh day to keep it holy. Set apart, dedicated to God. Six days shalt thou labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath, a day of rest. 
dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day ye shall do not do any work, you, your sons, your daughters, your male servants, your ma female servant, or your livestock, or in the temporary residence, a foreigner who stays within your city or gates. Could you imagine working 16, 18 hours a day, seven days a week, your whole life, and all of a sudden God says, you get to have one day where you can just relax. You can do nothing but relax. In fact, I'm telling you, you're not allowed to work on that day. Why did he do that? To signify what God had provided, to remind them of where they were, to remind them of what they have now. It is something wonderful, not a bondage. The Sabbath is not designed to be a bondage. There's two reasons Scripture gives us for the for the Sabbath in Exodus 20, 11, for six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and everything that is in them, and he rested, ceased on the seventh. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. That's one reason that Scripture gives for the Sabbath. There's a second reason in Deuteronomy 5.15. You shall remember with thoughtful concern that you were slave in the land of Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God hath commanded you to observe the Sabbath. There's the reason. And both are to give remembrance of what God had done. God created. God delivered. It is a, a time where we think and reflect on what God has done for us. See, even today, we get so busy... We're running so hard that we need a day where we stop and say, this is God's day. Today is the day that I need to acknowledge what God has done for me because otherwise I'll work like crazy all the way through that day too and never stop to really think about what God has done. It is a day of remembrance. So should be, we be worshiping on the biblical Sabbath? Erroneous claims concerning the Sabbath or the Lord's Day worship. You'll hear this a lot from folks in those camps. The early church worshiped on Saturday. That's one of the things that they lay claim to, and I will show you the other side of that. Constantine changed the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. An erroneous statement, and I'll get into that. The Sabbath was changed to Sunday due to sun worship. A completely erroneous viewpoint, and is... Not true, and I will deal with that. <laughs> the Lord's Day is Saturday. Absolutely no basis for that whatsoever. Everybody in the whole world understands it says the Lord's Day in Scripture is Sunday. <laughs> There's really no question of that. The Sabbath keepers are morally and spiritually superior to the Lord's Day worshipers. That's what I just referred to, and it irritates me. If they want to worship on Saturday, more power to them. I believe they're saved. And it irritates me when they want to point a finger at me because I worship on Sunday and say, you're going to go to hell for it. Give me a break. <laughs> Why Sunday? Jesus entered the Jerusalem on a donkey on Sunday. Jesus was resurrected on a Sunday. The church was birthed on Pentecost Sunday. Every Pentecost is on Sunday. The first New Testament sermon was preached on Sunday. The initial converts were one on Sunday. The disciples gathered and Paul preached to them on Sunday. Jesus appeared to his disciples after the resurrection on Sunday. The church gathered and took up collections on Sunday. 
John worshiped on Sunday on the Isle of Patmos and received the book of Revelation. Dozens of early church writers refer to Sunday as the day of worship. In every post-resurrection instance in all of Scripture that mentions the Sabbath, the context is Paul or his companions and or his companions going to the temple on the Sabbath day to worship? No, to argue, <laughs> to present the gospel. They were going to a group of unsaved people to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. That group met on Saturday. Paul and his companions went there, and you can go through the New Testament, and you'll find that there's no instance anywhere in the New Testament that shows the church, the post-resurrection church, worshiping on Saturday. Nowhere. That's what I just said right there. See? <laughs> In fact, in no time post-resurrection is the Sabbath showed to have any significance to the church. It's just not there. Constantine changed the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. Well, let's get into Constantine a little bit. Constantine was an emperor of Rome from 306 to 321 A.D. He was basically a fake. He was a fraud. In order to gain support of Christians, he presented himself as a Christian. He claimed to have been converted. He wasn't converted. He was still a sun worshiper. That's what he was. He worshiped the sun, and he tried to mesh the two, sun worship to Christianity. Christianity was not birthed out of sun worship. Constantine tried to marry the two things. He tried to amalgamate the two things. The early church writers rejected that completely. He instituted the Sunday law. The claim is that Constantine changed the day of worship, and he changed the Sabbath. Uh, and their claim is that the church worshiped on Saturday up until Constantine, he made a proclamation and changed it to Sunday. That's just factually wrong. That is absolutely not true. What happened is he simply created a law that basically married the church and the state. On the veneration day of the sun, let the magistrates and the people residing in the cities rest. Let all workshops be closed in the country. However, persons engaged in agriculture may freely and lawfully continue their pursuits because it often happens that another day is not so suitable for grain sowing or for vine planting, lest by negligence the proper moment for such operation, the bounty of heaven, should be lost. What he did was took religion took Christianity as being a free will thing that you could worship if you wanted to, and he made it a mandate. He made it law. He married the church and the state. That's what he did. The church had always worshiped on Sunday. He did not change the day. He never changed the day of the Sabbath because the Sabbath is not Sunday and never has been Sunday. It's still not Sunday today. The Sabbath and the Lord's Day are two totally separate things. They're not the same. So they will claim that Constantine changed the Sabbath. He did not. He simply proclaimed what was already going on. The Catholic Church, uh, what later became the Catholic Church, developed into the Catholic Church or the, uh, the government church or whatever you want to call it, the big institutional church of the day, often did that. They proclaimed things that had already been going on for many years. They just wanted to document it and say that it was part of their teaching. And so some people said, well, the, the Catholic Church started this, or they started that, or they started the other, and that's not true. They simply said, this is what we believe. 
and it was something that has already been going on for centuries before that. And the Sabbath is one of those things, or the, the Lord's Day. Questionable statements concerning Constantine. Sunday actually made very little headway as a Christian day of rest until the time of Constantine in the 4th century, according to Amazing Discovery's website. That is factually false, and I will show you. The church always worshipped on Sunday, and the early church writers prove that. Unquestionably, the first law, either ecclesiastical or civil, by which the sabbatical observance of that day is known to have been ordained is the Edict of Constantine, which is true. But the inference that he's giving in this article is that that's when that change was made that changed the day. That part is not true. He did make the edict, though. Did the early church worship on Sunday? Let's go through some of this. There are dozens, if not hundreds, of writings of the early church fathers that indicate exactly when they worshipped. There's many, many that indicate that they worshipped on Sunday. Let's go to a couple on, in the Didache. This was, this was 70 A.D., one of the earliest writings uh, that we find. But every Lord's Day do ye gather together, yourselves together, and break bread and give thanksgiving after having confessed your transgressions that your sacrifice may be pure. And then we see in the Epistle of Barnabas, which is not a canonized book, but that doesn't mean it's not an accurate book. It was not canonized to become a part of Scripture, but it does not mean it's not an accurate book. Your new moons and your Sabbaths I cannot endure. You perceive how he speaks. Your present Sabbaths are not acceptable to me, but that is which I have made, namely this, when giving rest to all things. I shall make a beginning of the eighth day, that is, the beginning of another world, Wherefore also we keep the eighth day with joyfulness, the day also which Jesus rose from the dead. Why do we worship on Sunday? Because it's a significance and a remembrance of the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Even the early writers say that. And when he had manifested himself, he descended into heaven. What's the eighth day he's talking about? What we call the first day of the week, Sunday. If therefore, oh, let me back up. This is a letter to the Magnesians in A.D. 110. If therefore those who were brought up in the ancient order of things have come to the uh, possession of a new hope, no longer observing the Sabbath, but living in the observance of the Lord's day, on which also our life has sprung up again by him and by his death, whom some deny, by which mystery we have obtained faith and therefore endure that we may be found the disciples of Jesus Christ, our only master. The epistle of Ignatius to the Trillians. During the Sabbath, he continued under the earth in the tomb in which Joseph of Arimathea had laid him. At the dawning of the Lord's day, he arose from the dead, according to what is spoken by himself. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man also be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The day of preparation then comprises the the passion, the Sabbath embraces the burial, but the Lord's day contains the resurrection. It is the celebration of the resurrection. Justin Martyr gives one of the best. If you ever get into Justin Martyr's writings, it's really cool. But he gives one of the, the most detailed accounts of what an early church service looks like. 
and it was it's really good if you ever want to look that up. It's it's quite interesting. This is part of it. And afterwards, continually remind each other of these things. And the wealthy among us help the needy. And we always keep together. And for all things wherewith we are supplied, we bless the maker of all through his son Jesus Christ and through his Holy Ghost. And on the day called Sunday, all who live in the cities or in the country gather together to one place. And the memoirs of the apostles or the writings of the prophets are read as long as time permits. Then when the reader has ceased, the president... I guess I'm the president. <laughs> Need to change my name plate. I like that. <laughs> the president verbally instructs and exhorts the imitation of other good things. Justin Martyr. And the Constitution of the Apostles. I'm almost done. There's a, I could go on for hours with these writings. But assemble yourselves together every day, morning and evening, singing psalms and praying in the Lord's house. And the morning saying the 62nd Psalm and the evening, the 140th, but principally on the Sabbath day and on the day of our Lord's resurrection, which is the Lord's day, meet more diligently, sending praise to God that made the universe by Jesus and sent him to us and condescended to let, uh, let him suffer and raise him from the dead. So basically he's saying worship on every day. Remember the Sabbath and worship diligently on the Sabbath, but primarily on the Lord's day. It goes along with the, what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 14.5. And you will find the Sabbath keepers have volumes trying to refute this passage of Scripture. It doesn't make any sense, but they have volumes where they try to refute. They don't like this passage. One person regards one day as better or more important than another, while another reports every day the same as another. Let everyone be fully convinced and uh, assured, satisfied in his own mind. Who, he who observes the day observes it for the Lord. Paul says you can worship any day you want to worship. Just make sure you worship. <laughs> Colossians chapter 2 is the other one that they write volumes about trying to refute. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of legal demands. We as Christians do not live under legal demands. What do we live under? Grace. We are under grace, uh, which were in force against us and which were hostile to us. And this certificate he has set aside and completely removed by nailing it to the cross. All the law that we would have to live by is nailed to the cross. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of that law. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities whose supernatural forces of evil operating against us, he made a public example of them, exhibiting them as captives in his triumphal procession, having triumphed over them through the cross. Therefore, let no man judge you in regard to food, and drink, or in regard to the observance of a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Such things are only a shadow of what is to come, and they have only symbolic value, but the substance, the reality of what is foreshadowed belongs to Christ. Lays it out there, doesn't it? <laughs> Makes it clear, straight out of Scripture. The Sabbath keepers hate that passage. 
and they have volumes written and, and videos made trying to refute it, but that's simply what it says. Questions. Why are we no longer bound to observe the Old Testament Passover feasts and ceremonies? Anyone? Anyone at all? Why don't we have to observe the Passover feasts and celebrations anymore? Because Jesus is the Passover. He is the Passover. We don't have to observe it anymore because he was the very Passover lamb that was slain, right? Why are we no longer required to observe the Feast of First Fruits? Because Jesus is the first fruits. He is the fulfillment of the Feast of First Fruits. Why are we no longer required to observe the Old Testament sin offerings? Because he was a sin offering. Jesus is a sin offering. We don't have to do it anymore because of the fact that Jesus is the fulfillment. Why are we no longer required to observe the Feast of Atonement? Because Jesus is the atonement. Are you getting the pattern here? <laughs> Why are we no longer required to observe the Sabbath? Because Jesus is our Sabbath rest. It's no different. Most Sabbath keepers don't keep any of those feasts, except they want to harp on the Sabbath. Because Jesus is the Sabbath rest. We don't have to do it. Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, while the promise of enduring, entering his rest still remains and is freely offered today, let us fear in case any of one of you may seem to come short of reaching it or thinking he has come too late, for indeed we have had the good news of salvation preached to us. Just as the Israelites also, when the good news of the promised land came to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because it was not united with faith. That's the key in God by those who heard. For who, for we who believe, that is we who personally trust and confidently rely on God, enter that rest. Enter that rest. So that we have his inner peace now because we are confident in our salvation and assured of his power just as he has said. Jesus is that rest. Go down to verse 9 and it says, So there remains a full and complete Sabbath rest for God's people. Is that Saturday or is that Jesus Christ? For the one who has once entered that rest has also rested from the weariness and pain of his human labors, just as God rested from those labors uniquely his own. Let us therefore make every effort to, in, effort to enter that rest of God to know and experience it for ourselves. Is that rest referring to a period of time or a day? No, it is referring to a person. It is referring to our salvation, who is Jesus Christ. That is what the reference is to, very clearly. Do we enter that rest by observing a law? No? Isn't that what it said? We who believe. It was united by faith. We don't do anything because of a mandate of a law. We do because we have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, and we serve God through that Savior, Jesus Christ. 
it is not by observing the law. We don't please God by serve, by uh, obeying a law. We uh, we please God by by obeying Christ. If you say you love me and keep not my commandments, you are a liar, right? It is about obedience to Christ. Sabbath keepers completely miss the point. Jesus said unto the, them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the, man, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath, and he has authority over it. Here's the deal. They're walking through a, a, a field, and some of the disciples grab some ears of corn, some grains of corn, and start to eat that. And, of course, the, the, uh, the, the religious rulers the Sadducees and the Pharisees point a finger and say, look at that, your disciples are breaking the Sabbath. You know what happened? had to happen to them according to the law? They had to die. <laughs> That's what the law said. So we have the Lord Jesus Christ in this position. If we are to observe the Sabbath, if it is about a, a, an hour, a few hours of time, it is about a space of time, Jesus is advocating violation of his own law, right? He's actually telling his disciples or allowing his disciples to violate the law of God. That's when Jesus said, you're missing the point of the Sabbath. You want to beat people over the head with a period of time. It's not about a period of time. It is about rest in Almighty God. The Sabbath in the Old Testament was that period of time, and that time was to be followed and obeyed as a remembrance of God. But now we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is about the resurrection. It is no longer about coming out of Egypt. It is no longer about creation. It is about resurrection. The funny thing about most Sabbath keepers, they don't even keep the Sabbath. They worship on Saturday. The Sabbath is Friday at 6 o'clock until Saturday at 6 o'clock. It, 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 but they only do it on Saturday. It's kind of a strange, strange thing. I don't know. We're going to wrap it up with Tertullian because I really like what he says. Everybody take a breath and pay attention to what is said here. This is powerful. Let him who contends that the Sabbath is still to be observed as a balm of salvation and circumcision on the eighth day teach us that for the time past. Righteous men kept the Sabbath or practiced circumcision, circumcision and were rendered friends of God. Insofar as the, and, and I'm not going through the whole thing because this thing is paragraphs long. So I'm, uh, I highlighted <laughs> or, 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 or edited into uh, some, some really uh, valid points here. Insofar as the ab abolition of carnal circumcision and of the old law is demonstrated as having been consummated at its specific time, so also the observance of Sabbath is demonstrated to have been temporary. Hmm. Interesting. And th th through this arises the question for us, what Sabbath God willed us to keep? Now, they're going to argue because Scripture says that the Sabbath is forever. And how can Tertullian say that it is temporary? He gets into that. Uh, for the Scriptures point to a Sabbath eternal and a Sabbath temporal. You get the point? Once we discern that the temporal Sabbath is human, 
and the eternal Sabbath is accounted divine. So the Sabbath is eternal. Once it was instituted under the law, because what? The whole law is eternal. Not one jot, not one tittle of the law will pass away. We didn't do away with the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. The law is still in effect. Jesus is the fulfillment of that law. It is not binding to us directly because Jesus is the fulfillment of that law and our obedience and our uh, pleasing of God comes through him. So the temporary Sabbath was the Sabbath of the Old Testament where they had to observe a time and hours and do what they were supposed to do. The eternal Sabbath is when Jesus Christ fulfilled that position and he is that eternal Sabbath. That's what the forefathers believed. Thus, therefore, before this temporal Sabbath, there was withal an eternal Sabbath foreshown and foretold. Who was foreshown and foretold? Jesus. There was to supervene a time whereat the precepts of the ancient law and the old test, uh, ceremonies would cease, and the promise of the new law and the recognition of spiritual sacrifices and a promise of the New Testament supervene. While the light from on high would beam upon us who were sitting in the darkness and were being detained in the light of or in the shadow of death. Tertullian and others completely debunked the idea. And I, I didn't want to get into all this because it's a whole bunch more writing, and I figured you're probably about to fall asleep anyway. But Tertullian and others completely debunked the idea that Constantine changed the day of worship to Sunday due to worship of the sun god. In fact, Tertullian mocks that whole viewpoint. But Tertullian was over a hundred years before Constantine. It wasn't Constantine that is that that came up with this sun god idea, like is claimed that Christianity, you know, came from from, from him in his celebration of the sun god, and, and Sunday was uh, instituted as the day of worship because of the sun god. That's totally false. Tertullian addressed that over a hundred years before. That was a problem that they had even then. Tertullian acknowledged that some were making that claim, but he rejected it. And if you want to look at that, it is in Tertullian Ante Nicene Fathers, Ad Nations 3, 123. You can look that right up. Not one early church writer ever linked Christianity to sun worship. It was never a link there. That was never where Christianity came from. That was a completely baseless and arbitrary claim by people who sought to discredit the Christian movement. 